Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Part-Time Genius, a production of iHeartRadio. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? All right, so I know we both love Mr. Potato Head. At least I remembered that you <laughs> loved Mr. Potato Head. Did you remember that I loved Mr. Potato Head? I did not remember that at all. Yeah, big fan, <laughs> big fan. And you know who invented Mr. Potato Head? It was George, George Lerner, Lerner, created yeah. back in 1949. Uh huh. So my favorite thing about Mr. Potato Head was that it was initially just a bag of like face parts, and kids would supply their own potatoes to jab these face parts into it. Right. <laughs> that is exactly right. You could use any, like, use your imagination here. You could use carrots, turnips, or really any root vegetable that you wanted. But potatoes were chosen. This was interesting, actually. I didn't know exactly why, but one, they're cheap. Of course, they were affordable and they were available year round. Plus, I guess you could argue they're funnier than Mr. Turnip Head, but I don't know. That, that seems debatable. <laughs> but the craze then took off when Hasbro made this big TV commercial for the product and they sold, it was something like $4 million worth of these toy parts within a few months. Now, that was a fortune then. And sure. the interesting thing, though, is that Mr. Potato Head actually wasn't the first potato toy on the market. I don't know if you knew this. I did not know that. What, what was before it? Well, it was the first with 3D pieces. So they added a D to what was being done <laughs> out there in the world. It was competing with these, these potato head toys at the time that were using 2D pieces, like more like paper product type stuff. And uh-huh. so you would stick these just onto the vegetable. But what's interesting is that in 1931 this was a full 18 years earlier so think about this like potato toy technology was not fully (laughs) evolved yet but the soviet union of course they had to be first they Uh launched this guide for kids on how to play with potatoes so (laughs) basically it was like this it was a pretty delightful guide on how you could use a pen knife and matchsticks and you could turn a bunch of potatoes into these little playthings. and so there's this illustration on how to make two little potato kids and have them seesawing on this bigger potato. And then sure. there was another one on how to turn five or six potatoes into a race car with a tiny potato driver. 
or this little potato man walking his potato pig on a string leash. It's, it, it honestly is a pretty delightful guide. So, but, but, you know, seeing this charming guide made me think of how much joy potatoes bring the world, whether it's through ridiculous <laughs> Soviet sculptures. This is not, this is real, man. The, sure. the potatoes, we, there's now more than ever, we need potatoes to bring the world joy. Or a bag of supersized fries, which I know you and I are both big fans of. I don't yes, know if you remember yes. this in college when you thought you were a vegetarian, and yet then you realized that the potatoes had been cooked in, in animal <laughs> fat. But, but I thought we'd make a whole show about potatoes. I am all about this. Let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hatikater. On the other side of that soundproof glass, wearing a shirt that says, I, am I reading this? I think it says taters, taters. over haters. <laughs> Is that what it says? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I love it, and I feel like I, I need one as well. That's mm-hmm. our good pal, Ramsey. So, uh, so, Mango, what's up this week? So... I want to apologize to the listeners for this tease we had a few, I guess like a month ago or, or right. two months ago, and, and thank them for being so patient because mm-hmm. you and I got to make an episode right before my dad passed away, and right. my dad just loved it, and oh, he listened great. from the hospital, and you know I had every intention of just plowing through and turning the show weekly again, but your parents are incredible, and, mm-hmm. and we are just so lucky, like... Both our parents were so important in giving us love and support, and we got to go to this incredible college, and then we chose the dumbest possible career. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And they still loved us. (laughs) And I'm just so grateful that we get to do this. So so thank you for making time this week uh, to talk about potatoes, whatever ridiculous topic. So where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about how the universe might be shaped like a Pringle ship or uh, (laughs) how the Alaskan gold rush? Uh, during it, desperate miners used to actually trade gold for potatoes because it was so nutritious. Or, or what are you going to start with? These, that's there's some good teases there. I feel like those should be considered. But I'm actually going to start with a fact about France back in the 1700s when the potato mango it was actually declared illegal. Mm, okay. Yep. So potatoes came to Europe by way of the Spaniards, who themselves had brought the vegetables back from the Inca Empire in South America, of course. And immediately, there's this real distrust of the vegetable. Distrust? Yeah, I mean, partially because potatoes are not mentioned in the Bible. I don't know if you know this fact. And partially because they grow underground. So people are weirdly suspicious of them. And at the time, they're mostly fed to pigs. Wait, wait, wait. So, so, yeah. Yeah. so, so you've done like a word search and found that mm-hmm. potatoes aren't <laughs> aren't found no, in the Bible? They, they are not. No, I did the full search. No, I actually just read through it. I, I should have done a search all, but I just <laughs> kind of read through the whole thing. Didn't find it once. And uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, basically nobody will touch these things, e- even hungry commoners. And then potatoes get blamed for things. Like when leprosy spreads, of course, everybody blames it on the potatoes. Sure. and. In all this mayhem, the French parliament decides to ban the vegetable. Now, this was around 1748, and the potato was actually banned until 1772. So a good 24 years of no potatoes. Wow. 
So I, I'd actually read this thing in Mental Floss years ago that early farmers would plant potatoes on Easter and sprinkle them with holy water because they wanted the plant to grow safely and not be dangerous. But mm -hmm. how do potatoes make their way into favor in, in culture? So there's this army officer, Antoine Parmentier, and he gets captured by the Prussians in the Seven Year War. And so basically he's fed potatoes at this prison and he doesn't notice any ill effects. Like he's supposed to get leprosy and get all sick and all these other things. He stays healthy pretty much the whole time. But also he notices that France at the time has stopped exporting grains and the Prussian army actually uses potatoes as a replacement for it in their diet. So Parmentier looks at all of this and as he learns more, he realizes that potatoes don't take that much effort to grow. So when he's released back to France, he starts this campaign to rehabilitate the, the potatoes image. He throws these dinner parties where he serves all these potato courses to celebrities. Like <laughs> Ben Franklin came to one of these things. He gives potato flowers to Marie Antoinette. And she then popularizes these things by wearing them in a hat. So people start getting curious and, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with this leprosy fruit, which is the potato. But then <laughs> he pulls off his greatest stunt, which I haven't even mentioned yet. <laughs> So what's his greatest stunt? He plants a potato patch. He puts a ring of armed guards around it. So everyone starts thinking of them as like this luxury. I mean, this really is pretty smart. They uh -huh. think of them as this, you know, very valuable thing. But then he quietly tells the guards to accept bribes and allow people to start stealing the potatoes. So in 1772, all these peasants steal potatoes and treat them like this precious food. And then the Paris Faculty of Medicine finally declares the potato edible and <laughs> makes them legal again. Isn't that amazing? French science is just on top of it. I That's like right. It. I know what they're doing. So is Parmentier like famous in France for doing this? Uh, I mean, I guess kind of. And he, he, you know, the potato helped France get through some difficult famines and Louis XVI rewarded him for his work, actually declaring how important Parmentier was keeping the masses fed and when he died, Parmentier's casket was actually placed in a plot circled with potato plants. And in the middle, there's this bronze statue of him handing a potato to a commoner who's standing below him. <laughs> so just so you know, I would also like a statue of me mm -hmm. handing out potatoes to commoners just so I can mm -hmm. be remembered as like a man of the people. <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of expected this. So there's already one in, in the works. I've started uh, paying. <laughs> Terrific. Paying and in installments so that it'll be ready. <laughs> it's going to be very expensive. But uh, anyway, enough about Parmentier. What fact are you going to start with? I've got one about baseball. So okay. uh, you've heard of the old baseball trick where a first baseman might walk up to the pitcher and fake hand him the baseball, but actually he keeps the ball in the glove. And yep. when he walks back to the bag and the base runner steps off the base to take a lead, he sort of tags him out. Yeah, of course. And it's, it's, it's like this old trick that mostly gets used I don't know, I feel like in kids' movies about baseball, like, you may remember this, Rookie of the Year. I mean, one of the greatest films of all time, I think. Yeah, it is a very Rookie of the Year play. But but mm -hmm. this uh, minor league catcher for the Williamsport Bills, his name is Dave Bresnahan, he was completely obsessed with this trick play. And this was in the late <laughs> 80s, like 1987. And Bresnahan was actually obsessed with a variation of that trick using a fake baseball. 
I love that anybody was obsessed with this trick. But anyway, how, how does that work? Yeah, so in, in this case, the catcher replaces the ball in his glove with a potato because you know how people always confuse like baseballs for potatoes. Yeah, it always very happens. Common. Yeah. <laughs> so the way the trick works is that the catcher accidentally throws the potato into outfield like it's an error. <laughs> and then, you know, when the base runner tries to steal home, the catcher shows that he actually has the baseball hidden in his glove the whole time and tags him out. And do people, they actually did this in baseball games? So according to the L.A. Times, which is where I read about the story, I guess a few people got away with it in their earliest days of baseball. It was called the tater trick. Um, <laughs> and, and anyway, so so Bresnahan decides he's going to pull off the tater trick in a real game and he goes all out. He pays an artist to carve a potato and paint seams on it like it's a real baseball. He even picks the perfect game. He wants to do it against the Phillies farm team in Reading because the Philly fanatic will be there. And that means there'll be more of a crowd. Right. And he starts trying to lay the groundwork like in games before the big one. He starts trying to pick off players at third. So he's kind of getting this reputation as a catcher who picks off players. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the big day arrives. And in the sixth inning, he gets into the perfect situation. There are two outs and a man on third, and Bresnahan knows this is his moment. So he comes up with this excuse. He tells the Empire that the webbing on his glove is off, and he needs to replace his glove. And then he walks to the dugout, grabs this ridiculous carved potato, and then walks back. So does anybody notice that he's doing this? The whole team. Like, I don't okay. think the manager knew, but the whole team starts laughing, and they're having a hard time, like, controlling themselves because they know what's up. And... Bresnahan mm -hmm. himself is trying to keep it together, but but when the runner on third takes a lead and the pitch lands in his glove, he snaps into action and he makes a switch and he throws this potato to third. But <laughs> instead of overthrowing the potato past the third baseman into the field, he accidentally underthrows it and it bounces <laughs> and the potato breaks into three pieces and it lands right in front of the third base umpire. But the player doesn't notice and, you know, he charges home and Bresnahan shows him the ball and tags him out. And then he walks to the dugout. And here's oh. the thing, right? Bresnahan assumes if his team follows him, the other team will walk off too and the game will just move on and continue. So does this work? Not at all. So oh, man. The officials are super confused. His teammates stay on the field. And the meantime, the third base ump goes to inspect this you know, broken up potato. And when he right. realized what's happened, officials just award the runner home plate. And then Bresnahan gets pulled from the game for his shenanigans. And the next day he's fined $50 and cut from the team. Oh my gosh, that got way more sad than I expected. <laughs> That's a funny trick. Bresnahan actually didn't mind that much because he was not that great a player and the fans loved it. So he became such a like fan favorite or this legend that the team ended up retiring his jersey at the sold out game and uh and they charged a dollar for tickets where not only could you attend but you also got a potato with your ticket. <laughs> and uh and actually the largest chunk of that potato he threw uh in that Phillies game is in a jar of alcohol sitting on display in a baseball history museum in California. So, like, I, ah, I think Bresnahan actually feels good. like he won out in the end. <laughs> yeah, he came out on top. That's pretty fun. So, uh, what do you have that's next? All right. How about um, a quick one from the Farmer's Almanac? I know you're a fan of the Farmer's Almanac, mm -hmm. so I feel like that's where it's I should go my favorite of the Almanacs. Oh, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. So, if you've got a knife with some small rust spots, you can actually use a potato to fix that. So, how's that work? Do you, like 
use the potato to scrub away the rust or what? I mean, that would be one way, but according to the Almanac and quite a few other online sources, it's actually even easier than that. So you just insert the knife into the potato, let it sit, and the oxalic acid in the potato will work on the rust and soften it so that it then rinses away. How great would it be if that was like the best way to clean all your utensils? Like you just mm-hmm. stab them into potatoes and leave them overnight to clean them? Be the best feeling just get to keep stabbing <laughs> potatoes. I'd have so many potatoes around. Um, <laughs> speaking of a lot of potatoes, uh, here's a trend I kind of want to bring back from 2012 in Japan, and it's the McDonald's potato party. I mean, you we've established you do love McDonald's french fries. I know with sweet and sour sauce, it's, it's like one of the many food quirks <laughs> and loves I have. But about a decade ago, the McDonald's in Japan started running a sale, kind of like the dollar menu, where large fries were suddenly steeply discounted. And so some teens ordered 23 large fries and made a mountain of them on a bunch of trays and posted it to social media. And people just went crazy, I guess. And, and this is according to Gizmodo, the McDonald's in Japan use a more polite form of Japanese. So even though it's not fancy, mm-hmm. you're supposed to act with like a little bit more decorum, I guess. And yeah. uh, the photo gets retweeted thousands of times and people are angry that kids are acting silly and being a bother to the McDonald's. And some people are just stunned to see that many fries in one place. But the <laughs> biggest chorus around these photos is this argument that if you order that many fries, you have to eat them or it's disrespectful. Oh, and I would agree with that. But, but did this become a trend? Yeah, like potato parties started popping up all over the place. And some kids saw the 23 fry order as a challenge, obviously. So Mm -hmm. in Okinawa, some kids ordered 40 large fries at a McDonald's near Okayama Station. A small group of kids ordered 60 large fries. And (laughs) that photo got retweeted tens of thousands of times, apparently. And so, like, you know, the, the, the kids are supposed to finish these fries. And they actually do. Like, like uh, I think it takes them about three hours. But the oh, nice. employees get super upset. Uh, apparently, the fries took up a whole large table on their own. And then all the wow. people watching these kids house these fries take up another large table. So, you know, it felt like they were losing business. And, and one employee from that restaurant took to Twitter and just asked for it to, quote, please stop, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> That said, if you are handing trays and trays of fries over to a kid, you've got to expect there's going to be a little chaos. (laughs) When you said the three hours, though, the only thing I could think of is like while the fries are delicious, after about 30 minutes, if they're sitting there, they go from really good to pretty gross pretty fast. I wonder they must have just kept ordering them rather than ordering a bunch (laughs) at one time, because I don't know. I'd have to see how that works. But how did the trend finally die down? So McDonald's just upped the price on the fries uh, mm-hmm. to their regular price, and it kind of stopped really soon after that, which is a pretty simple fix. Yeah, yeah. All right, so here's a, a weird one. I was watching this little documentary about potato chips and Ed Her from Her's Potato Chips, and he said that if they still made potato chips the way they used to, this was about 50 years ago when the company started, they would have to charge $25 a bag. $25 a bag? Why, why is that? I mean, that's just how much the industry has automated since then. It's actually kind of amazing to, to watch how it all works. So when a truck full of potatoes goes to the HERS factory, the trailer is pulled onto a scale where the potatoes are then weighed, and then it lifts the potatoes and dumps the potatoes onto a conveyor belt, and the whole process starts. Kind of without humans, the whole thing is starting there. And instead of watching to see which potatoes are colored green and which ones are good, 
this computer sorts all of this out and the imperfect potatoes and chips are all weeded out along the way. Edher actually says that when his mom was involved in the business and used to supervise the bagging of these chips, they would bag five to 10 pounds of chips every hour. And now with fewer people, more computers on the line, they bag five to six tons of potato chips every hour, which is insane. That is amazing. You know, speaking of potato chip bags, here's a quick interesting one. So people absolutely hate that potato chip bags are over 50% air. In fact, Korean college students in 2014 protested this fact by taking 160 potato chip bags, binding them together with plastic and tape, and using them to build a raft to float across a river. And apparently 200 plus people watched that feat. But um, the question remains, why do potato chips have so much air in them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you, do you have an answer to this? <laughs> yeah, it, it is intentional. It is called slack fill. And that's the industry term. Basically, those bags are pumped full of a little extra nitrogen to both keep the chips preserved, but also because if the bags are packed with air, they won't get mishandled and you won't end up with a bag full of crumbs. It's basically a way to protect you from getting a half bag of like fully round chips. Oh, that's interesting. I guess we always assume that it's just to, uh, to, you know, be cheap or cheat us out Mm -hmm. of a certain number of chips or something, but that's pretty interesting. All right, we've got a couple more facts to go, but let's pause for just a quick break. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details.
Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, where we're talking about a really important summer topic, potatoes, of course. (laughs) So Mango, we've each got one fact to go. What do you want to close with? Well, I know you're probably a little late to celebrate this, but uh, I want to point out to you that in 2008, the UN declared it the International Year of the Potato. Okay. Well, we're just, what, 14 years behind celebrating this historic event. That's mm-hmm. never never too late. It's okay. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting why the UN decided to do this. Uh, as, as they put it, they wanted to shed new light on a hidden treasure. And part of the reason is that growing potatoes is surprisingly efficient in combating hunger because potatoes aren't really traded across borders. Because they're so easy to grow across climates from low to high altitudes, And because they're not really globally traded like most cereal crops, they offer a lot of food security. And farmers don't have to worry about the prices fluctuating because of global markets. Apparently that year, places like Peru encouraged locals to use potato flour to reduce the reliance on wheat imports. And both the Chinese and Indian governments leaned into potato production to feed their growing populations. And I kind of like that after all that time, the UN finally gave the potato its due in this giant report. I agree. I I kind of like that, too. So uh, how are you going to close this out? All right. Well, I was torn. There were a couple facts I was looking at, but I'm going to save one of them for this. I think we need to do a follow up with nine more great facts about potatoes because <laughs> there's there's just so many. But how sure. about a fact about couch potatoes? So unlike most etymology, which can be pretty frustrating because the origins are always you know pretty murky. We've dealt with that on on several topics before. There is an exact start date for the word couch potato. It first appeared in print back in 1979, the year both you and I were born. This was in the LA Times, while referencing a float on a parade route. According to the article, quote, the couch potatoes will be lying on couches watching television as they are towed toward the parade route. According to the excellent site Today I Learned, a man named Tom Lacino was the first to coin the phrase. He had this good buddy named Bob Armstrong, and they'd already started this little group called the Boob Tubers. And it was kind of this ridiculous protest against the California health craze at the time. And the Boob Tubers were basically committed to sitting in front of the TV and snacking instead of jazzercising or whatever <laughs> the, the fad was at the time. Uh-huh. So after recruiting their friends, they launched this float in the Duda Parade. None of this sounds real. <laughs> Uh, This joke parade to parody the Tournament of Roses parade. But one day in 1976, Lacino called up Armstrong. And when his girlfriend answered the phone, he asked, hey, is the couch potato there? And apparently she looked over, saw her boyfriend just planted on the couch and started laughing. And after that, they rebranded as the couch potatoes and tried to trademark the word. But it actually became too popular in pop culture for them to protect the mark. I had actually... Never heard this story before, you know, doing the prep for this episode. So that is so funny that there's actually a person who invented that phrase. Tom Lucino, I think you deserve this week's trophy for best fact. But since I don't actually know you, I think, uh, Will, you should accept this award in his honor. All right. I guess I'll do that. Thanks so much, Tom. <laughs> I appreciate it, buddy. That's it for this week's Part-Time Genius. We'll be back with more very important facts soon. Thanks so much for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.